Is this something that you truly want for yourself, for your family, and for everyone else that's in your life? But starting there, what does that goal look like? And then going to the why and what's motivating you and trying to understand that. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guests, Daisy Serrano and Luke Debro. They're joining us from Austin, Texas. They are a husband and wife team whose portfolio consists of 445 units as LPs and 42 units as GPs. Daisy and Luke have been in real estate for four years now. Guys, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Hey, Ash, doing amazing. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be on the show. We're definitely supporters. So definitely excited to be on the other side now. Well, it's our pleasure to have you. Before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So like you alluded to, Ash, Daisy and I, we ended up starting our investment journey about four years ago, where we started out as LPs in late 2017. And then just with our goals and what we ended up having, we ended up deciding to not only do one deal, but did another deal shortly thereafter. And then looking down the road at that time, we ended up thinking, okay, well, we need to get active really, if we really want to accomplish what our financial goals are and what our life goals are. So with that, we ended up saying, okay, well, let's get active. We figured out what that would end up looking like. And we ended up seeing that a lot of times if somebody is local to their target market, then that ends up helping out a bunch. So we had invested passively in San Antonio. So we were looking in central Texas, hence the move to Austin about a year ago, ended up being part of a GP group and got active with a deal earlier on this year and just continued to look for properties here in central Texas and be able to grow and continue on from there. What came first, setting the goals or investing as LPs? Ooh, they kind of came hand in hand. So we started investing first. We actually weren't even married at the time. We weren't even engaged. We were still (laughs) dating and started investing. And once we did, really saw the power of distributions and and wealth creation. And from that point, we already had certain goals in place, right, in terms of our future and where we wanted to be. But once we really got a taste of that distribution and seeing the cash flow from the properties we had invested in, that really changed some of the long-term goals. And that focused right on wanting to be on the active side. And I have to say one thing to add to what Luke shared is that in that process of investing, being on the active side, we also saw a very big gap in the market, which was not seeing a lot of young people like us millennials investing. And so we really set out on a mission to help educate and create more access for millennials to know that this was something that was possible. Whether somebody invests with us or not, it's really just about creating access and education for more millennials, more young people at any age group to be able to start investing as well. The mailbox money got you guys hooked. All right. So how do two millennials come into real estate investing as LPs? How was the opportunity presented to you? How did you find out about it? I guess that was mostly led by myself. So I'd been interested in real estate for a number of years and was looking for an opportunity to be able to get involved in some form or fashion. Right after I finished grad school and I started working when I was 23, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like so many people do. And a lot of those thoughts and ideas and those concepts, they really, really resonated with me. So I was looking, okay, well, how do I get involved? What do I do? Explored a couple of different things, Ash, but ultimately ended up being connected to a GP through one of my old roommates who was also interested and involved in real estate. 
And yeah, this was actually the GP group's first deal, in fact. So it was my first deal, it was their first deal, it was our first deal. So that's kind of how we ended up getting involved. It was just one degree of separation and introduction and then a ton of due diligence to figure out, <laughs> okay, well, am I going to throw five figures into this deal or what's going to go on here? And what was that due diligence? Because I remember my first passive deal and man, I just thought it's too good to be true. You put money in and you just get returns every month. What a great idea. And my mindset back then was, all right, I'll put the money in. If I lose it, lesson learned. But if I actually make what Joe Fairless, if I actually make what he says, what a win. So what was your guys' mindset and what was your due diligence that you performed? It was quite a bit, right? So we had definitely listened to podcasts such as this one, Red Books, and really started going to meetups to meet people that were in the industry that were doing it. And once that opportunity came about for us to invest and to move forward and take that leap of faith, it was really about knowing the team that we were working with. So we ended up meeting with one of the sponsors that was based in California, where we were at the time. We also flew out to the market. So we flew from California to Texas and went to San Antonio, secret shop the property, secret shop some of the comps as well. And people thought we were a little crazy because we were investing this money before investing into the actual property. But for us, it was worth coming out, really touring, getting an understanding of those metrics that you see on paper or online and getting an idea of if that's really what's happening on the ground. So those were all really the different things that we did. It was over a month, starting with basic education, books, podcasts, and then leading up to really meeting the sponsors, knowing who they were in person. That was really important for us. And then, of course, flying out into the market, secret shopping it, and, and understanding what it was exactly that we were investing into. To your point, Ash, also about not losing money, that was something I was very concerned about. I'm fairly risk averse, so I figured, okay, at the very least, I don't want to lose any money. So. I ended up backing into ultimately, I didn't know it at the time, but break even occupancy and ended up taking the underwriting that the sponsors had and ended up just creating my own spreadsheet to tinker with it and kind of pull the levers and be able to get a much more tangible understanding of what levers to push and pull. Because up to that point, I didn't have any finance classes or had done any accounting. So that was just a way for me to dig in and have more surety for myself and then be able to provide more to Daisy as well. I love that. Good for you guys for putting in all that legwork. Was this an experienced investor? This was their first deal. Yeah, it was their first deal, but it's funny because they're actually part of the Joe Fairless tribe. It was with Wildhorn Capital. And so there was a lot of experience behind the main lead GPs on it. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. 
Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. What were the returns on that deal? So that was 8% pref and then two times equity multiple over five years. The IRR was in the mid to high teens. Mm -hmm. And actually the first deal is exiting now. It should be exiting officially and closing on the 29th of December. So coming full cycle in just about four years instead of five. Awesome. Was that Western Station by any chance? It wasn't. It was the Joseph at Hoibner. Okay. Because I've got a deal with Joe that's closing December 29th as well. Oh, there you go. (laughs) So yeah. Awesome. All right. So you guys now have your mailbox money coming in and this real estate thing is working. It's cool. What's the next step? Yeah. For us, it's really been a transition. So I failed to mention I was in international education prior to coming into the space and did that for about 10 years. So for me, it was a really big change coming into the commercial real estate space and learning everything that's involved with being a sponsor and being an operator. So what's next for us in our journey is really... Sorry, can I cut you off? I meant what's next after you did this first investment. So we're still back in the day. So you got your first one under your belt. You wrote the check. You're getting the returns. It's got to feel good, right? Getting those monthly or quarterly distributions. So what's your guys' next step? So after that first investment, it was really about creating the kind of life that we wanted to have and backing into how to make that happen. So I think Luke alluded to this earlier, but I'd been in international education for about 10 years prior to starting my investing journey in in real estate. And within that space, unfortunately, there wasn't the opportunity to help retire my parents and accomplish a lot of these big goals that I wanted to do. So together, then we realized that the planning that you asked about earlier, once we started investing and getting those distributions, that cash flow, then it was how can we scale? How can we provide, help provide more opportunity for other people to also take advantage of all of these different things that are available within real estate? And really, it came down to getting involved more, to joining organizations locally and nationally, to corresponding and just meeting more sponsors that were doing what we wanted to do and jumping onto the active side. So that was really the next step for us. Ash was looking at, okay, we've taken that leap of faith, and now there's this creation of of wealth that's starting to happen. Now, how can we take that to the next level and help create that opportunity for more people? And that's really where Make It Rain came about. For us, it was being able to be operators ourselves, to move into our target market, to leave California, to leave everything that we knew and our whole lives behind and be able to to be in Texas, to be boots on the ground and make progress in the stream that we had. Awesome. So how do you do that? How do you go from being an LP to being alongside the GPs or co-sponsor, co-sponsoring a deal? I think looking back at what we did, we decided that that is something that we wanted to do. and. Then from there, it was a matter, like Daisy had mentioned, of attending more networking events. So that way we could meet more sponsors, be able to understand what their either day-to-day or week-to-week, month-to-month actually looks like and kind of what that would look like once we're in those shoes. And then from there, being able to meet more people ended up helping, of course, because then you just have a wider network. So that way you know whose competency is raising capital, whose competency is being able to asset manage and whose competency is boots on the ground, all of those different things. And then I guess the next part in our journey, like Daisy mentioned, was deciding, okay, well, if we're going to do this, then 
we need to relocate. That was just what worked for us. And that's kind of what our plan was. Yeah, we joined a mastermind as well, which was really important just in terms of surrounding ourselves with people that had done it, that had the experience, the track record, and being able to learn from them. I think that's a really big thing that was really important was to seek mentorship and have people around us that could support us in that journey. All right. A lot of syndicators out there right now have the typical 8% PREF, high teens, mid-teens, IRR. How do you differentiate all of these different sponsors or operators? I think it boils down to who do you trust? Underwriting is underwriting, like it's numbers, and sometimes it can be garbage in, garbage out. I think understanding, if somebody doesn't have a level of understanding of what rent growth should be, or or really what should taxes align to, or, or a myriad of other things in your underwriting that you're getting from your sponsor, then it should be, okay, well, do I actually trust this person? Do I have a relationship with them? If I call them, are they going to pick up my phone call? Are they willing to answer questions? I think it's ultimately a lot of it of of how to differentiate because at the end of the day, if it goes sour, then are you as a sponsor willing to look somebody in the eye and be able to have a conversation about what occurred and be able to take responsibility and be able to move forward in a positive manner? That's kind of what my thoughts are. I'd be interested to hear Daisy's. Yeah, similar for me, right? It's really being able to have a a personal relationship and understanding what somebody's goals are and being able to help them get there. And then making sure that it's the right opportunity with the right investor, because not every opportunity is going to be the right fit for every investor, depending on what they're looking for. But I would say on the other end, also for us, the big differentiator was moving here was people seeing the seriousness of how we were operating and conducting our business. We were willing to move to relocate, to be boots on the ground, to get out there and tour and meet brokers and really have that face-to-face presence. So we have a local meetup here in Austin and just have found ways to add value to people on a regular basis, not just with an investment opportunity, but connecting them with somebody that they're looking to meet or just looking at different ways to add value depending on the investor. And Daisy, what is that value you bring to the sponsors? For us, it's really now being boots on the ground. It's being able to, now that I'm full-time within the multifamily space, to get out and tour a property within a couple days' notice to really understand some of those sub-market metrics and really be very active here in in the local Austin MSA. So whether that's with meetups, being able to help connect people, getting out and touring and meeting brokers and all of that, being very active boots on the ground. Do you raise capital for these deals? Yeah, we do. Is that primarily how you add value or are there other things you do as well? We'll end up raising capital, of course. And then the other piece is is with us being local. It's finding the deal, quote unquote, because we do have those broker relationships. So those are those main two pieces. There was just a deal yesterday that came out Thursday or Friday. We're like, well, let's take a look at it. Yesterday was Sunday underwriting it today, tomorrow, then if everything looks good, then we'll be able to tour it pretty quickly in short order. And it's 10 minutes from where we live. So we know the area very well. We know what the comps are. We can back check what the broker's seen. So a lot of that ends up helping as well, in addition to being able to raise capital and equity on deals. And then Luke, who would end up buying the deal? Would you give it to a different sponsor and just raise capital for the deal? Or would you guys buy it yourself? It would end up being the latter. So we would work to be the leads and then be able to bring in the appropriate people and the strategic fit that ends up making sense in order to be able to get the deal across the table and have it be the right fit for your three, five, seven year partnership that you have on that one specific deal. I got it. Okay. So you're involved in all aspects of the life cycle of a project. A hundred percent. And you mentioned seven years. Is that how long some of your deals anticipated are going? 
Well, we end up saying seven years because of just the environment that we're in. Ideally, you have, I guess, average, we would say is that five-year mark. If it happens in three or four, then that's great. Not knowing what the future is like, if it gets pushed out to six or seven, then that's something that we end up talking to investors about and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. So that way they're not knocking on our door at 1259 on year four, like, hey, what's going on here, guys? I thought this was a five-year deal because things end up changing. No underwriting is perfect and financials end up changing. So that's why I ended up saying seven years in that instance. Yeah. You guys look very young. Do you find that's a hindrance with having brokers or investors take you guys seriously? I think it was more so at the beginning. I think now that we have a pretty solid team and once we talk to investors or brokers, we're able to show the the team that's behind us. So Luke mentioned, right, the first GP group that we invested in, something that was really important for us is who was their entire team? who had the experience and the track record. And for us, it's really been about leveraging the people behind us as well, our team on the lending side, on the GP side, and our property management, of course, and, and making sure that we have that experience and track record. And if we have a question about X, Y, and Z, we know exactly who to go to. So that's definitely helped a lot. Uh, I think we can't really control how people see us from the outside in, but we can definitely control the business plan and the team that we bring to the table. And Daisy, somebody that wants to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them? The first advice I always give is to, one, educate yourself. Start by understanding the foundations, the multifamily 101 basics. And number two is to start going to meetups and meeting people that are doing what you want to do. Because I think after a certain time of education, reading books and listening to podcasts, I think it's so important to surround yourself with like-minded people and build your tribe build that group of people around you who is going to support you, but also who is doing what you want to do, because that will push you to go a lot further than you ever thought you might be able to on your own. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe. J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success. 
Wisconsin Real Estate. And Follow Up Boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors, and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The Follow Up Boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Awesome. And I'm going to push you guys here for a second, but what's one thing that would make this husband and wife team work better together? Mm. Work better together? That's a good question. I think time. Luke has a a full-time job. He's still having his gig on that end. And for me, I've been able to now transition full-time into the multifamily space. But I think like as with everything, right, there's the marketing piece, there's the acquisition piece, there's the operation piece. There's so many different aspects of the business. And so I think for us, it's time being able to have more time to dedicate to growing and scaling and meeting more people, partners and investors alike. What advice would you give husband and wife teams to minimize issues? I would say open lines of communication, just like with any relationship. I know that for myself, whenever there's a misunderstanding, either with Daisy or or with somebody else that I end up having, it's because there was some miscommunication that occurred. So I think having open, honest, candid lines of communication is extremely important. And if a husband and wife team is looking to do this, I think understanding that there's a solid foundation there already within the marriage, first and foremost, because it's going to be very difficult to end up working together if that isn't already there. And then just being open to change. I definitely learned what Daisy's work style was, and she learned what mine was, and we learned what each other's competencies were and what that ended up looking like. So I think just being open to the journey and how things end up looking as you continue to make progress. On the more practical side, having an operating system as well and knowing who's doing what. So there's certain things that Luke focuses on and there's certain things that I focus on. And for our operating system, we use EOS based on the book Traction. I think it's pretty common in the industry. So he has certain metrics that he's responsible for. I do as well. We have a weekly meeting where we look at where are you in X, Y, and Z? Where am I? How can I support you? How can you support me? So we separate the professional and the personal on that end to where when we have that make it rain operator hat on, then it's business. And of course there's overlap, right? There's no clear delineation, but the more that you can stay in your lanes and support each other within that lane, I think that makes things a lot easier going forward. What's a hard lesson that you learned about dealing with investors? I can share on that. I think that not every investor is the right investor for you. And we learned that on the last deal that we had, where we had somebody that we were working with that was very difficult to work with. And as a sponsor, of course, you want to provide the opportunity to as many people as you can, but it's also about it being the right fit in terms of values, in terms of long-term goals. So we decided not to work with someone for that reason. We didn't have similar values. The long-term expectation wasn't clear on the investor's end. 
So it's working with the right people on all aspects, on the property management, your partners, your investors, everybody that you're working with, I think was a hard one because you're then raising less money, raising less capital. But I think in the long term, they'll be happier with the right operator and will be happier with the right investor. Daisy, what was it specifically about that investor that made you not see eye to eye? It was really the method of communication, to be quite honest. It was, I have certain expectations in terms of how I was raised and being spoken to respectfully, I think it's just foundational for me in terms of an expectation. So if that basic understanding is not there and it's not being respected, then it's not going to be the right working relationship going forward. I agree hundred percent. Good for you. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Jeez, I would say figure out what you want to do. It's not necessarily only applicable to real estate, but I think if you figure out what you want to do, then that informs everything else. It always goes back to what's the goal. Is this something that you truly want for yourself, for your family, and for everyone else that's in your life? But starting there, what does that goal look like? And then going to the why and what's motivating you and trying to understand that. That informs everything else. And I think that pushes you through when it becomes difficult and there are hardships and those long hours and early mornings and late nights and weekends and and all of that. All right. Are you guys ready for the best ever lightning round? We are. All right. (laughs) What's the best ever book you recently read? For me, it's The Energy of Money. And it's really more of the spirituality of money. For any of your listeners that aren't familiar with it, it really walks you through your own money journey growing up and why you make certain money decisions and and how to take control and be able to intentionally channel that money energy into different aspects of your life. Yeah. And I would say Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. It was a book that came out a handful of years ago. It was actually written when he was younger, but it didn't get released until I think maybe three, four, five years ago, something along those lines. But it's a great book, builds upon Think and Grow Rich. And I think it's foundational for anybody who's looking to accomplish really anything in their life. What's the best ever way you guys like to give back? Mentoring and volunteering, that's really been something foundational for me. I've always had very active mentors. And so with that, being able to give back to the community and to other people that are in a different place than I am. And volunteering right now, I'm part of two organizations, Seedling, which works with children of incarcerated people and Girls Empowerment Network, working to empower girls that are younger to help them be who they can be growing up once they reach adulthood. And how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? The best place is to actually go to our website. It's makeitraincapital.com and you'll find all the info about us on there. You can schedule a call with us. You can email us. You can check out our social media, our podcast that we have as well. But everything is there all in one central place and you can connect with us. When I say schedule a call, literally feel free to schedule a call. We will make calls with anybody who's looking to do anything within real estate. Even if you're not looking to invest with us, like Daisy said, we'll connect you with somebody else who is a better fit potentially for whatever your goals are. And we're more than happy to do that. So make it ringcapital.com. I love it. Daisy, Luke, thank you guys for joining us today and giving us your journey. Four years ago, you invested as LPs and now you guys are doing deals on your own. So thank you for your time. Yeah, Yeah, thank thank you you so much for having us on and just for providing this platform for so many of us. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us and have a best ever day.